You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May Lakeisha's uh, mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. laying across my bed one night and everybody had quiet down in the house and kind of fell asleep and I'm sitting there and I kind of felt the cold air mm. and I looked and, and it just felt like it was her all of my family was coming in town so my aunt I can remember my aunt standing there and she said what's wrong I said I see the detectives coming she said open the door I said I don't want to you open it because oh I knew when you I seen those vests and it said yes. Rock County and I remember that call right I was angry for a long time. Then I let that anger go and forgave her. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I forgive you. That's when I started seeing her. Wow. You know, another thing I wanted to tell you about that a lot of people don't know with the story with my daughter, Mm -hmm. that he admitted to being an active white supremacist. Aprina had goals. She had graduated high school. She's working, doing well. She's wanting to be a nurse. And because she's doing some of these things that you look at from the outside and say, my girl is on track, that you think there's certain things you don't need to tell Mm -hmm. your daughters. And I just think, particularly as black women, we go through so much. And we just make it through. We just do it. And we don't stop to take care of our wounds and the healing we need. So it doesn't even occur to us sometimes that we have a story. Exactly. Yes. And a story to tell. Yes. Yeah. I thank you for joining. We are so glad to have this conversation today. We've been looking in the news nationally and seeing the epidemic of black girls that have gone missing. And so we want to start this conversation about black missing and exploited girls with looking locally here in Madison. Aprina Paul disappeared at 10 p.m. on Sunday, October 27th, 2013. But that's not where her story begins. Today, we are blessed to have her mother in the studio with us. And we're going to be talking about Aprina's life and her story and kind of where you are today. So, Alice LaRue, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. 
And I appreciate that this is a difficult conversation to have, but I know you've committed yourself to having these conversations. Yes. So let's start off talking about Aprina's life, because I know when something tragic happens, there's so much focus on the tragic end that sometimes we lose sight of the value of life that was lived. So tell us about Aprina. What was she like as a young girl growing up? She was a really smart girl, very good in school. Um, I was a young mother, of course, so her grandmother helped raising mm. her. When things got rough for me, she went to Miami okay. to live with her grandma. So a lot of her uh, younger years of, you know, like elementary school and things were uh, spent in Miami. Okay. You know, when I got a little better on my feet and things, you know, and stuff in order with myself. Mm-hmm. She came to live with me here in Madison because we're originally from Chicago. Okay. Well, thank God for big mamas, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that they can step in and give the support that yes. we need. Yes. You know, where that kid takes a village for sure. Definitely. And so how old was Aprina when she came to Madison? She came in Madison, uh, I want to say around fifth grade. Okay. Yeah, I want to say around fifth grade she came to Madison. And was her adjustment kind of smooth? Miami, Madison, real really, different. It was really smooth. Okay. Yes, it was really smooth. Um, the kids loved us. She met friends right away. Lots of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and she did good in school here. She was on a roll. Really wonderful, smart. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, what did she aspire to do or be with her life? A nurse. She loved children. Mm-hmm. She loved children, and she always wanted to be a nurse. And I could remember one day, her younger brother, which is he's seventeen now, my son is seventeen now. He was real sick one day with belly pain, and she insisted on going to the hospital with mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, okay, let's take him. And when we got him there, you know, she was very interested in everything that they were doing to him. Wow. And that's when the conversation started about pediatrician okay like mom this is this is what i want to do but she had always spoke of being a nurse because she was always caring for people yeah but that one day when her little brother was sick that's when she started talking about caring for kids you know i love that because exposing young people to various experiences is really what helps to expand their mind on what they can be, what they can do in life. Mm -hmm. And I understand that she also worked at my former school, Leopold, with students there. So tell me a little bit about that. She took a job at Leopold as an after-school teacher to, Mm -hmm. you know, work with the kids in the after-school programs, which she truly loved because she loved everything working with kids. Yeah, that's wonderful. And we have a small thing in common. Our daughters actually went to school together, and my daughter knew Aprina. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, she didn't know her extremely well, but she said she had been out with her a couple times, had some Mm -hmm. conversations Mm -hmm. about life. You know, yeah. so their lives and their paths have met okay. along her journey. Okay. So let's move ahead just a little bit and talk about October 27th, which is almost six years yes. ago yes. now. What went through your mind that first night she had gone out and she didn't come home? Okay, so when it first came to my attention, I can remember clear as day like yesterday, laying across my bed on a laptop. Mm-hmm. doing some online work and my son was standing in my doorway my older son he was standing in my doorway and he said mom have you talked to Aprina?" Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, no. But I looked at him and he just had this worried look in his mm-hmm. face. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he like, I've been trying to contact the grandma. I've been trying to contact her, my mom who mm-hmm. lives here. And she's not responding to nobody. We've been trying. Everybody's been trying. So the look in his face, I was really concerned because they real close. Yeah. They'll talk more than me and her will. Okay. And she was staying at my god sister house a lot. That's okay. the house in Fishburg because okay. I lived in Madison. So okay. that's the house that she was actually came missing from. What time is this now? This is not even five o'clock. Okay. This is early. I want to say it was even before three o'clock because I remember getting up, going to her job. Mm-hmm. And I knew she had to be there when school okay. ended. Okay. So I was trying to find my own ways of figuring this out. Right. That was the first thing. Okay. My son brought it. And then right after that, my mom called and she was real panicky. And she was like, I don't want to wait. I want to call the police. I just have a feeling that something's not right. This is not like her. So my mom did call the police right away. And tell me about that experience when you called the police. The experience when I first called the police was kind of like... Um, I don't I don't even know what words to use for it because uh, maybe a few weeks before then me and her had a little argument. Mm-hmm. So when I first called the police, you know, they was taking it as, you know, maybe she's just mad. You know, you mm-hmm. guys just had a few words and she, right. you know, needs time to calm down and me study pushing it. No, right. something's not right. So I just kept pushing it. And then how long did it take for them kind of to get into action to start looking for her? I believe when I didn't hold back Mm -hmm. and kept doing things on my own, Mm far as getting people involved, missing flyers, and when I went to the news, when I went to the news station, knocking on the door, and they opened the door and listened to me, the next day the police was at my house picking up her picture. Wow. It went from there, you know. I think they really started believing me then. Right. And she's 18 at the time, so it could be easy to say she's an adult. And that's what they were trying to say. She can do whatever she want to do. You know, it's not no problem. It's not illegal for an adult to be missing but we also repeatedly hear that when black kids go missing Mm -hmm. it is usually put off to a runaway or something like that correct which there's no amber alert when that happens there's no emergency and movement around that when that happens Yes. You know, it sounds like because, that was true in your case. And, and that's true because I felt like those first 24 hours of her missing mm-hmm. was the most mm-hmm. crucial of it. Mm-hmm. Because if I could have got the police to think how I was thinking, yeah, we could have stopped a lot of things. Yeah, Mother's heart makes you push the envelope and say something is wrong. How far reaching was her story beyond Madison? Oh, my So when I made those missing flyers Mm -hmm. and I put my number on them, the police number Mm -hmm. in Fishburg, it was people calling me from so many different states. Wow. So many different states. And I mean, people calling me, telling me their stories, not to give up hope, saying things happen to their kids. I can remember one lady told me that her daughter was missing for five years. Wow. And luckily she came home to -hmm. the same place her mom Mm -hmm. had never moved but okay she had been trafficking or whatever yeah oh my god yes but those stories stuck with me and kind of helped me to not give up and so what's the time frame from october 27th and you're getting the police involved you got the flyers up you're looking for her and doing these efforts between hearing something about what happened with her it was like november 2nd 
So almost a week before you had any definite answer. What did you hear? Who did you hear from? It was a detective that I was working with at a Fishburg. I mean, that was very, very, very well into the case. Like, mm-hmm. I can remember him because one day I tried to follow him when he got a lead. Okay. And he stopped the car and he kneeled down. He looked at me in my mm-hmm. face, in my eyes, and he told me, you cannot go with me. Wow. Let me do my job mm-hmm. and I will find your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, and that stuck with me. And he worked with me six five six o'clock in the morning if i heard anything he's wow. up i'm able to call him and he's up looking he's doing that's amazing whatever that's he, amazing. he he was he was really good you know and, and the one thing that i thought about when she was found he told me he'll find her but he never told me how right you know what i mean right so i couldn't be mad at him right because right. he did do his job and he stuck to his word he found her so in that week what are you feeling as a mom do you know she's gone? Are you still hopeful? The first few days, I was very, very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Very hopeful. But towards the ending, I was laying across my bed because I couldn't sleep, of course, from mm-hmm. listening, looking. I just couldn't sleep. I was laying across my bed one night and everybody had quiet down in the house and kind of fell asleep. And I'm sitting there and I kind of felt the cold air. Mm. And I looked and, and it just felt like it was her. Wow. So, excuse me. No, no, no. I couldn't see her. Yeah. But it just made me feel like it was her. Mm-hmm. So I just sat there and I sat up on the bed and I moved to the bathroom. Yeah. Which was one of her favorite places. She okay. lived in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the bathroom, I felt this follow me. Wow. So the next day when we get up, and to go out to pass out flyers, mm-hmm. me, my mom, and my fiance were in a car, my mom in the back seat. And I'm like, Mom, if a printer, because my mother kept me focused, she mm-hmm. kept me, no, she okay, we gonna find her, she this, she that. You know, my mom kept me moving, she yeah. kept me on top of it, she kept me motivated, she made me have faith in it. But the next day in the car, I could remember saying, Mom, if she's not gone, why did I feel this? Yeah. And she said, don't think like that. Don't mm-hmm. say that. I don't know what that was. She kind of brushed me off. Yeah. So I can remember getting one phone call right towards the end. And, and I was getting phone calls all day, all night. Because remember, my number was on that flight. Right. So, but this one phone call that I got, it was saying, it was somebody said, um, I said, hello, I have a tip. And I said, what's your tip? Because at this time, I'm like, uh, you know, right. it's some more. I'm sure you got some crazy calls yeah, in between there, too. Yeah, I, I did. And yeah. it was uh, a person saying, check Rock County. Wow. And hung up. And I'm thinking to myself, whatever, what's Rock County? But I got right. a table full of people right here in my house all the time. And they're like, what is it? What they say this time? So I told them, and one of my friends I can remember, she said, we're not going to know it. Let's Google and check what is Rock County. Yeah. So she pulled up Rock County. I called. Do you have any leads on a missing girl? You know, et cetera. And dispatch had me to hold on and came back to the phone and they said nothing. A few days later after that, the way my house was set up, the doors you can see through if somebody's walking up. I see mm-hmm. detectives and police walking up, and the first thing that caught my eye was 
birthday jackets at Rock County. Okay. Oh my God. Coming to my door. So I kind of froze. And my aunt, like, because by this time, family's from out of town. You know, we mm-hmm. this is the day that we're getting ready to go to the church. We, you know, invited a lot of people to the church to pray with us, to mm-hmm. help us find her. Right. So this is what we're getting ready to go do. All of my family was coming in town. So my aunt, I can remember my aunt standing there and she said, What's wrong? I said, I see the detectives coming. She said, Open the door. I said, I don't want to. You open it. Because I knew when I seen those vests and it said Rock County. And I remember that call. Right. And when we opened the door, they all came in the kitchen. And I can remember them saying before I just kind of like went into it. It just seemed like I went into another world as they were talking. I was listening, but I felt like I wasn't there when when they said we found her. And I can remember my aunt doing all the talking Mm because I'm just looking at them. But the first thing they come off with is this makeup bag. Did she have a, a um a pink makeup bag? And I'm like, yeah, they found her. Oh my god! And um, I can remember my aunt saying, "What well, can we go identify her body?" And that's kind of what. Oh my god! Did it for me. I couldn't talk to them no more. I kind of got upset with them. Took my anger out because mm-hmm. I hear my aunt saying, "What do you mean? There's no body." Jesus. So. I, I didn't want to talk no more. I didn't want to right. listen to nothing else that they had to say because I couldn't understand that. That wasn't real to me. Right. You know, I could imagine that you wasn't just had real to me. Experience. Like, what do you mean? There's no, what does that even mean? There's no concept for that right now. I didn't cry. I didn't, it was just anger and, yeah. and me trying to understand. Right. That, that just wasn't real to me. Like you hear things like that off of movies. Right. Like this is, I'm like, this can't be what they telling me. What do you mean? Where, Where is my daughter body? So by me not seeing a body, mm-hmm. it never was real to me. I still wanted to get up and go look every yeah. day. You oh, know? my goodness. That didn't register right. the right way in my mind. You I know? can imagine. Yeah. So did you ever find out who it was that made that call to you? It had to be the person that's in jail. What? It had to be. Oh, my God. Because I was going to ask you if it was a male or a female. It was a male. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, wow. and I think about that a lot because that call stick with me. And then was on the news, too, that he wrote me an eight-page letter. So he yeah. had no problem with contacting me. Yeah. That's how I know that was him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So at some point in time, you find out more. So the police come. You're still in that state of disbelief. Yes. What happens next for you and your family? We working with a detective from Rock County that was attached to the family because of this case. So okay. he didn't sugarcoat nothing. Okay. He let me know everything that I need to know that yeah. I asked. He didn't try to hide nothing from okay. me. Yeah. How much did you want to know? I mean, I could understand wanting to know and then not wanting to know. In the beginning... It was like, I don't want to hear no more. You right. know, like, what are you guys talking about? Like, right. this is not my daughter you talking about. Like, this got to be something made up. So I kind of balled myself up and wanted to be away from everything. Like, yeah. I didn't want to hear this. I was ashamed, you oh know. Like, I didn't want to be around people. Yeah. You know, I felt some kind of way. I felt like every time I go out, oh, that's that girl mom okay hearing stuff like that right but as time went on i opened myself up and i wanted to hear everything oh my everything because girls started reaching out to me okay i came out of this shell and 
found myself feeling relieved and better mm-hmm. as I talk about it. Okay. Than okay. hiding it. Okay. So at the same time when Aprina is missing and now they found her, other stories start coming out about her life and Correct. her activities. Correct. Now, did that come out before they found her or afterwards? Did you start hearing these stories? So I started hearing them before while we were looking. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. What did you start hearing? Did you believe it? Oh, my God. I heard so much. Mm-hmm. It is, it's ridiculous. I didn't know what to believe. You know, my mind was kind of like all in different places. I was hearing she was drugged out of her mind. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody had her, you know, just around them and drugged her up. She's not in her right state of mind. Mm-hmm. I was hearing she was taken for yeah. sex trafficking. I was hearing, I, rec- I can remember one call I got like at six o'clock in the morning. This boy said that he just seen her in his apartment building, that she looked very drugged up out of her mind, like she was lost, didn't know where she was going or what she was doing. And this is the day that I really thought we found her. So you got a lot of false so reports many. about sightings. So yes, oh my God. Sight- false reports about sightings. And then I started hearing the stories about escorting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, I started hearing like hearsay from friends mm-hmm. that I guess at the time was ashamed and didn't know how to tell me. Yeah. So I'm really trying to come on to these girls. Probably not as strong as I should have. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it seemed like they was terrified, scared, hearing stories from them about escorting. But what really made me believe it is when the police got in her phone and I was able to access her phone as well, her voicemail. So when I started hearing those voicemails, I didn't need to hear nothing from nobody else. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was true. And so how do you feel at this time when you're hearing that and you've been validated? I was so mad at her. I was so ashamed, so angry, mm-hmm. so mad at her because she was a smart girl. Mm-hmm. You had a job, you had the love and the care and the support. Yeah. What would make you do this? Yeah. Like, why? I was so angry, mm-hmm. so angry. It mm-hmm. took me over a year to forgive her. Wow. That's real, though. That's real. Cause I was I th- angry. Because I think sometimes you want to hide how we're feeling about this stuff in the mm-hmm. midst of grieving yes. and all of that. Yes. But that's real. Yes. Yeah. I was angry for a long time. Then I let that anger go and forgave her. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I forgive you. That's when I started seeing her. Wow. I can remember the first time when I said, I forgive you. I'm sorry. I just had this talk because yeah. I had to let it go. I was making myself sick, holding all this anger in. Yeah. You know, it wasn't doing me no good doing it. So once I did forgive her, I can remember the first time she came to me. I was sitting on the side of my bed. And I'm a dream, of course. Yeah. And she's at the window and she said, Mom, I'm sorry. Can I come in? Oh, my God. And she came in. We talked and she said, I'll be back. That's when I woke up. Oh, my God. When I forgave her, she got comfortable, and I started seeing her. I still see her. Oh, my goodness. But before then, it was a mental thing. Like, evil spirits was working on me. I was seeing her burned. Oh, my God. Before I forgave her. And that's how I knew me holding that grudge and that anger. I had to let it go because it was really doing something to me. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. It was really doing something to me. Wow. And so at some point they find her and then you're finding out details. Did the guy just kind of tell what he did? Yes. So this is how they found out that it was Nathan Middleton. Mm -hmm. So the detectives told me her cell phone was still there and it kept binging off the tower oh my god by his home so they called detectives said they called and said hey either you come in and talk to us or we're gonna come in there wow and he came there he said he laid a picture of my daughter on the table and i can't think of the name that nathan middleton called her i can't think of that name to save my life he didn't call her a premium i guess Mm -hmm. this is a name that she was using okay and he the detective said he put the picture on the table in front of him and say hey do you know her Mm -hmm. and have you seen her and he said nathan middleton looked at him and said yes i burned her said the name that he used and he said yeah i burned her my god he said right away no hesitation or nothing yeah you got to be kidding yep he never admitted to killing her but he said right away that he burned her body oh my god so I think in many ways, the whole community was holding their breath when they began to prosecute him. One, if they were going to prosecute him. Correct. Because we know how it is. If there's no known cause of death, you can't prove that exactly. there was murder. Yes. And we're thinking it's a white man. Mm-hmm. It's a black girl. Correct. What's going to happen Correct. with this situation? I was doing my research on this case and saw that you all were very proactive. So you didn't stop. Even after you knew that your daughter was dead at this point, that energy, that proact- that mama spirit kept going and showing Correct. up. So tell me some of the things you all did during the court hearing and then for his sentencing. For the court hearing, we rented a school bus mm-hmm. for people that couldn't drive there. We set up for everybody to wear their support or print the shirts. Yeah. We had a meetup spot. Okay. So, we, you know, we had a time and a day we all met up and yeah. rode out with the school bus and all that. I mean, we overfilled the courtroom Dang. to where some of the people had to sit outside of the courtroom and listen. My God, I know they had never seen that many black folks down in Rock County. And it was just uh, two people at the courthouse for him. But, you know, another thing I wanted to tell you about that a lot of people don't know with this story with my daughter, Mm -hmm. that he admitted to being an active white supremacist. No. Correct. Yes, ma'am. And his parole officer, because he was just recently... Before this happened, he was just recently released from prison for robbery. So the parole office that he had came to my house, sat Mm -hmm. down with me, talked about him, and told me how she recorded him and had him on tape, and she's she's bringing it to the courts, that he admitted to being an active white supremacist. Oh, my God. I brought that to the detective, and he told me, no way. He believed that. Yeah. He said that he do. He said he can tell from the first time... He had him in his office, you know, at the police station and put my daughter picture down. He said he spoke of my daughter as a piece of crap. And he said the way that he spoke of her when I asked him about her, I knew that he hated black people. Oh, my God. And I know down in the Rock County, Janesville area, there's been a really heavy presence of the KKK. Yes. So it doesn't surprise me. But it's just a whole nother level Mm -hmm. 
of hatred that comes to this situation. Exactly. And his I found out that his father is serving a life sentence since the 70s or 80s mm-hmm. for doing the same thing to a black lady. Oh, my God. In her home and set it on fire. Oh, my God. That is and crazy. And he said his words were he would be better than his father. He'll never be caught. He'll be famous for what he's done. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, I heard something, and I didn't want to believe it. It kind of made my head explode. Mm-hmm. That he said that he and his girlfriend, fiance, were making s'mores. Jesus. Yeah. While her body was burning. My God. Yeah, they even said that they were stirring it with sticks. This is how her remains got so pieced up like that because while she was burning, he was stirring it with with a stick. Yeah. Yeah, they said he was roasting s'mores. Excuse me, but this sounds like a sick motherfucker. He is. Like, very now. Very. And then the fiance, girlfriend, side piece, Mm -hmm. she claimed she didn't know anything. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. But the detective, he kind of tried to give me closure on that part because they kept a close eye out on her. Okay. On every move she made. Okay. But I really feel deep down inside she knew something. Right. And what made me think that because a lot of people were messaging her and the things that she was saying to them. One of the things she said to them, I printed it out. Uh-huh. And so, because I wanted to show the detective, look at the stuff she's saying. You can't tell me she don't know nothing that she wasn't there. What was she saying? One of the messages that really bothered me, she said, "Excuse my language, just that nigger bitch got what she deserved, and she's where she's supposed to be in the ground." What? I printed it out and I kept it. I should have brought it to show you because I kept stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Oh, but my I gave God. one to the detective. That's exactly what she said. Oh, my God. Okay, so oh, this is just unbelievable. I mean, it's like adding insult to injury, pain, yes, and yes. this the ridiculousness of the levels of this thing is just incredible. Yes. It's just hard to believe. Correct. So, as I said, we're holding our breath as a community thinking, okay, what are they going to give this guy? There is nobody. Well, they remains because there wasn't enough to do an autopsy to find out the exact cause of death. They couldn't prove that he killed her. So we're thinking he's going to get off or get something like three or four years. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. What happened? So they end up sending my daughter remains like to Texas, different mm-hmm. places to be tested and stuff from different kind of specialists. And of course, nothing came back out of it but court for sentencing for him he ended up with like 30 something years but it wasn't all for what he's done to my daughter okay because remember i said he was just released from prison for robbery so he was all he was on papers parole papers already okay so So they have a lot to do with his time okay well thank god for that the judge did give him the max on what he can give him okay. for burning her body and what was the max sentence for that oh i don't remember the exact number but it wasn't even 20 years wow yeah wow to me hiding a corpse mutilating a corpse see to me i feel like look if you do something to destroy 
a body. You had in something. You had something. Because otherwise you call the police, you call 911, you do something. Correct. So to me, that is the evidence for misconduct. Exactly. He said that my daughter overdosed. Mm-hmm. That he said that he had sex with her and they went to sleep and when he woke up, she was deceased that she overdosed. Mm-hmm. My daughter didn't do cocaine. Mm-hmm. So the way that I proved that to the detectives was she was dealing with a very bad sinus issue that mm-hmm. I deal with all the time. I had two surgeries for this, but this mm-hmm. was her first time dealing with it. I had just came from a doctor's appointment with her so she could have surgery, had it set up to have surgery to have these things removed out her nose. Okay. She had grew nasal polyps so big in her nose, like I did before, yeah. that they were starting to hang out of her nose. Oh, wow. So her yeah. nose ran constantly like... Okay. Like a faucet. Yeah. So it was impossible when you have that going on in your nose to inhale anything. You can't oh taste, God. you can't smell or nothing. So I explained this to the detectives. I said, there's no way that my daughter was sniffing cocaine. Mm-hmm. I said, this nose problem is really bad. And I know from yeah. me having it. Right. So the detective took upon himself to go to talk to the doctor. Yeah. To see if he could get him on stand. He right. agreed to everything that I said and verified that like that is correct. That was impossible for her to do with her medical condition at wow. the time. But the doctor didn't want to come to court. Why not? I don't know. What? I don't but know. But good for you for pressing that. Because you need every win you can get in this situation. Yeah. So it doesn't even end. He's sent to prison. And then this fool tried to escape. <laughs> yes. My God. He tried to escape. Yep. Was talking about blowing a hole in the side of the wall and getting out. You know, just I don't know. This this we know he this is not like a normal person. Right. You know. But those were the things he was talking about My doing. God. And then he sends you a letter from prison. Then he sent me a letter. When they made one year of her exact of one year of her. So what is he saying in this letter? It's an eight page letter. Front My and God. back. Front and back. So I took it as really he was playing mind games. Yeah. If I was a weak-minded person, I'd probably be wrapped in a straight jacket somewhere from that letter. You know what I mean? The because those are the kind of things he was trying to do. My God. And he's still stating his innocence that he didn't kill her. Somebody else killed her. So in a letter, that's exactly what he was doing. He was trying to say that somebody else killed her because he had threatened this person for money this is what i found out Mm -hmm. after the detectives came and got the letter and stuff he had threatened another person for money and told them if they didn't give him this certain amount of money that he will put this murder on them what so in this letter that he's writing me he's telling me this person did this and did that to my daughter but i really think he was trying to tell me what he He did. did But saying the other person did it. Oh, my God. That's why I say if you were weak-minded, you know what I mean? You wouldn't get through the message of it. Oh, my God. And he also tried to put in there, like, he was friends with my daughter, that he cared for her and he loved her. Yeah, these kind of things he was saying. And she could have been pregnant by him and so forth and so on. And and when it called me, the state of mind that I was in at the time, like, this stuff really had because i was believing it yeah for some reason yeah you were the last person my daughter was seeing where you the person 
that I know kill her. Yeah. And you're saying this to me. So it had me really questioning this. Like, what What if she was pregnant? What if she did really know him? But it was all just oh mad games. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, just the level of cruelty is just disgusting. Yes. I'm so glad they locked him up. Yes. Oh, my God. So did he get any kind of reprimand or anything about sending you this letter? Because I imagine he's not supposed to be sending... <sighs> And, and that's what I, I really, that I really exactly. Prison no is supposed contact. to scream. You're not, and that's that how I let thing. you know that they wasn't looking because ain't no way he was supposed to be able to send that letter right. to me with my name on the envelope. You know what I mean? Exactly. To my address. And was it stamped? Because I've gotten some letters from people in prison where it says this is a communication from someone in prison. Yes. So somebody touched somebody it. Somebody looked at it. Yes. And halfway my name looked sent. at it. Correct. And let it go. That is just ridiculous. Let it go. Oh my I made God. copies of it and put it in a box and I gave the the detectives the original copy. My goodness. I just am so deeply moved by your strength in this whole Thank process you. to to stay the course. I guess you can imagine so many of us as moms would have broken at any one of these points. Yes. But you've stayed the course. You've made some commitment to keeping Aprina's legacy alive. And so what are you doing to keep her before us, to remember her life, not just the conditions of her death? I'm building a foundation to help with black girls um, missing, trafficking, you know, escorting, just want to spread awareness. Yeah. I just feel like... The more I spoke when I came out of this shell, the more I spoke about spoke about you know uh, what happened with Aprina, mm-hmm. the more young girls seemed to how can I say it? Like I felt like it was a magnet. Yeah, you know, because when I opened my mouth and talked about it, I noticed my inbox and messages from different women that were living this certain lifestyle that were telling me from hearing your daughter's story, mm-hmm. um, I'm done with that lifestyle. Wow. Girls that I don't even know. Different states that I don't even know. I can remember one girl messaged me one day after I talked about Aprina on social media and her story. And she told me that she was out escorting one day and she believed that the guy was going to harm her. And she said ever since she heard of my daughter's story, she said the picture of her stuck in her mind. She said she felt like she carried my daughter with her that day and saved her. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So stories like that really made me come out this shell and said, "Okay, the more I tell this story, it's saving lives. That's amazing. Like it's time for you to, to get up and spread this. So now there was a movie that was coming out. Correct. Yeah, and I saw some of the previews for it. So what happened with that? Um, How did you feel about it, first of all? In the beginning, you know, I was still in this shell. Like, I felt kind of ashamed. Yeah. But when I came out of it, I'm like, you know, this is going to help somebody. Mm-hmm. This gonna, People need to, you know, see this. Yeah. You know, listen to this. So I was more for it towards the ending than okay. the, in the beginning. Okay, so what happened with it? I never saw it come out. It didn't come out. Um, just trying to get funding, different okay. things like that settled. Okay. Yeah. So, is there some hopes that maybe one day it will? Yes. yes. So, you start doing more speaking out. So, where are you speaking? 
I am trying to get into more middle schools and high schools. Okay. Kind of like that age group. Yeah. To speak to girls and tell them Aprina's story. Mm-hmm. I have her funeral, her service filmed. And I just want to try to bring this to life. Yeah. To some of these young girls. The reality. Exactly. Of the and danger. And let them know this can happen to you. Right. You know, this is something that they see and hear about on a movie or a TV show. Yeah. But I want to show them that this happened for real. Picking up friends off of social media. All yeah. It's not safe all the time. Right. Because especially in a city like the Madison area, we're not thinking, this is not Chicago, this is not New York, this is not Detroit, L.A. So we're not thinking these type of dangers yes. are out there like yes. this in our community. I yes. mean, this was a huge deal in the yes. greater Madison area because this is something you just don't hear about. Right. And I think sometimes we get lulled into a false sense of security mm-hmm. of things. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about your foundation, the name of it. Tell your story and save a life. So is that just for you or do you feel like you want to help other people tell their story as well? Other people too. I think everybody got a story. Yeah, yeah. I believe you have a story that you might can tell me to make me feel comfortable or know how to go about dealing with a life situation. Right. You know, and I think that's like um, the issue with a lot of these young girls. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't know how to open up yeah. about things. You know, they don't feel comfortable with uh, certain situations to talk about. Right. So I just want to like get out here and show them and let them know like it's help mm-hmm. you don't have to have this lifestyle it's somebody that listening yeah i'm like you yeah i love that because i do a lot of work with girls in group settings in elementary middle and high school and it always dawns on me when i'm talking to these high school girls and they bring up issues i've been have you talked to your mom about this no no Mm-hmm. No, I can't talk to her. She won't understand. Somehow these girls forget that we were girls. Right. And there's nothing that they're going to tell us that we haven't thought about, heard about, exactly. seen, and understand in some way. And so what ends up happening is these 15-year-old girls are getting advice from 15-year-old girls Yep. on how to live. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to other mothers of particularly black girls today that are kind of in that high school area, still a kid trying to be grown. I can say like, listen, pay attention, listen, just try to teach your daughter that she's love, self-care, motivation and respect for herself is here. Yeah. You don't have to go out looking for that from somebody else. I have you here and yeah. I can teach you here. Absolutely. Cause you know, I've talked to high school girls and we've had discussion on whether or not their mothers have said that they love them. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times, particularly for us mothers that are single moms, mm-hmm. you're so busy providing, making sure everything is taken care of, getting the food on the table, you know, keeping a roof over the head that I think sometimes that we think that is the communication 
right. of love. I've showed you that I loved you. You know, I'm one of those ones. I say I love you all the time to my kids. Okay. Probably to the point that eyes kind of roll sometimes. <laughs> I love you too, mom, because I say it all the time. Uh-huh. But I think sometimes we feel like we're showing our kids love, but we're not actually saying i love Uh you and even this is what i love about you right this is why you're special yes there's many things that i think mothers who are listening to this can take away but one is being so overt about communicating your love of your child and not even just saying i love you but calling out Mm -hmm. the gifts and the talents that you see in them yes Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And getting in their business. Look, I told my kids when they first got social media that I was going to have their password and I was going to check it. So uh-huh. there's some parents be like, well, I don't know if I should and I want to respect their privacy. They can have privacy after they're 18. <laughs> Up until that point, right. I'm checking their email. Yeah. I'm checking their Facebook. I'm checking everything because it's my job to make sure that yes. they're safe. Yes. And there's things out there that they don't understand and can't yes. say. Yes. So that's another thing I would tell mothers. No what your kids are doing on social media please no I I feel like that's very important I just feel like when this happened to my daughter I became a magnet to stories like this and I've spoken with other mothers that's going through the same thing that I've been through wow in different stage different maybe around like six seven girls my god and I've spoken with their mothers they one girl met a guy on snapchat lord killed her Facebook, black girl, stabbed over 16 times. He killed her. These stories go on, and I reach out to these people. I talk to them to let them know, you're not alone. Yeah. I'm feeling the same way you're feeling. Yeah. Me and you had the same pain. We share something, and we talk about it. Whenever I hear about it, I don't know how. That's why I say I feel like I'm a magnet to these stories. Yeah. But I reach out because I don't want them feeling how I was. Ashamed. Yeah. It's okay to talk about it. Right. And it's not something, I'm so glad to hear that, sad and glad, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because this is not something that everybody can understand. Exactly. It's not like my daughter is pregnant. Yes. My daughter dropped out of school. You know, it's not something that a lot of people could commiserate with you. Say, girl, I know how you feel because no, you don't. Yes. But to have a place for other mothers that have gone through such a horrible tragedy to find some love and peace and understanding yes it's really powerful so throughout the last six years you've done special things on aprina's 21st birthday you had a special celebration yes and now we're coming up to her birthday is going to be 25 25 in Mm -hmm. january yes what do you have planned for that the theme will be aprina's 25th sneaker ball in heaven so it's just like a Mm -hmm. celebration of life um but you dress in you know uh casual dress up clothes but you're wearing gym shoes okay was that something of her style or something she would have been into she was different she was different so i definitely know that's something she'll love yeah you know put on this nice dress but you got some gym shoes on some sneakers on yeah she was different i love that and then with your foundation What are some of the next steps that you want to take with that? What are some of your hopes and dreams for that work? My hopes and dreams. Um, Other than traveling to these different states, speaking of this story Mm -hmm. and 
letting these girls and women know what I'm doing. I'm hoping one day to own a place where I can house these girls if possible. Yeah. A place where they could come in and feel comfortable to for me to help them if they're trying to escape this lifestyle, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. You know, I want to have this door where they can say, I'm safe here. I can go there. I love it because on your page I read something that you said is for all black girls whose voices society has silenced. And so why is that important to give these girls a voice? You kind of open up when you feel like somebody can relate to what you've been through or what you're saying. Yeah. Because you kind of ball up in silence when you feel like, oh, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to tease me. I did this. I did that. But when you open up, and let your voice be heard of things like that and you can relate to other people it helps yeah it helps absolutely absolutely well i am just in awe of you and so appreciative that you've taken this pain this wound and turned it into a salve for other people a bomb to put on the wounds of other mothers who have lost their daughters, but also being proactive about interrupting some of these stories and situations yes. to let these girls know that there's a better way. Yes. And that yes. their lives are worth it, yes. worth saving. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you for helping to give voice. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes. And um, I want to find every way that we can help to support the work that you're doing. We tell your story, save a life, because there are powers in words. Yes. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) That was a good conversation. And look, we mean this thing. We are not playing. We are committed to defending black girls. And look, we want you to get involved. Please visit Lalita.org to explore the work that we are doing to defend black girls to be safe wherever they are. And look, while you're there, please sign up for our mailing list so that you will not miss one single fearless conversation.